Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we're joined by Neil Reichel, founder of Authority Circle. Neil helps top-rated Filipino freelancers add an extra 500K to their monthly income and become million-dollar freelancers. Neil is a public speaker and the first Filipino to become a mini-chat ambassador. His clients include Mary France, Vincent's Facial, Care Center, and other Filipino companies. He believes that the U.S. and local rates are a myth. The Filipino market has no problem paying extra as long as it knows what they are getting in, their, in return. He's proven this by closing over 5 million peso deals with Filipino businesses. So I've asked him to join us here today. Talk about being an online freelancer and the new kind of working remote community and also kind of globalization because so much is changing in the world. The economies are changing. A lot of people are worried about do I have to start taking my business and looking outside to other markets? I know myself, I do a lot of business with Australia and America and Canada and the UK. And I'm like, how do I tap into these markets? So we're going to talk about that today. But first, Neil, how are you doing, my friend? Doing perfectly awesome. Super excited for the daughter's birthday tomorrow. It's her fifth birthday. And as we know, you and I, both dads, we're excited right. about our daughters, right? That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. So before we jump into this other stuff, how did you even get started in business? Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs or? No. First off, I want to say thank you for the intro. Pleasure being here on your show. I've seen the roster of people. These are top caliber people. And I was like, dang, Daryl, how can I say no? (laughs) So your question again was, Say that again, please. How did you get started? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Like, how did you even get into business? There wasn't any hint of entrepreneurship in our family. There were attempts, but no one really actually became a success with it. It's all about side gigs and stuff. But really, people are into the employment thing. That's our family. How did I get into this? It's probably more of a desperate need to make money fast. So... We talked about this earlier and people, other people who might know me uh, or heard, heard my story. My story is that in 2015, I was already doing good in the corporate world, about to climb the ranks in the sales world. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry for like 11 years. And at this stage, I was like super excited getting the promotion. And then I got the news that I wasn't getting promoted. I was actually getting kicked out. I was going to get the boots. Whoa. Funny enough was that this happened three weeks before our first daughter was to be born. Yeah, no stress. Stress. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's the rush, right? Well, what's the news of our job? Suddenly they're unemployed, baby on the way. Yeah. And then three weeks after, we lost that daughter while giving birth to our daughter. Oh, my goodness. So it was really a kick in the gut. Yeah. Back in the balls. <laughs> Bitch slap all over, right? 
a real because the backstory behind that was that since 2011, I've been consuming all these podcasts, all these webinars, all the info things about online marketing, digital marketing, but I haven't really put my foot down. And that's why the answer was, how did I get into it? It was really more of a desperate move because I didn't have a job. We were in a state where we were in shock. I yeah. go finding a job wasn't an option because my wife, I had to help my wife recuperate. And even myself, we had to have each other all the time. Yeah. So the only thing that I thought that I could do was finally apply everything that I learned with 2015, start looking for gigs, freelancing gigs. And that's how I got started. Got it. So was it just easy? You flipped the switch, you decided you'd become a freelancer and you just were successful right away or were there challenges and hurdles? I hope from? it was just like flip, flipping the switch, right? <laughs> I hope it was just that easy. No, man, no, it, it wasn't easy at all. The first things that I did, the first money that I made was removing the owns and us of podcasts. And, and the reason why I got that gig was I was in John Lee Gumas' program, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And there, I would always see these people looking for BAs, looking for people who could edit the podcast. And I said, I mean, heck, why not try it, right? The first $60 that I made online. And it was like euphoric. It was like the best yeah. feeling ever. $60 yeah. from someone who hasn't even met me in person. Somebody sending over $60, removing the ums and das. I, I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is it. But man, I mean, try to imagine having to go through eight episodes, an hour each, with unmentionable number of ums and us. I know, yeah. I have a podcast. We've done that. I've had, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my God, what have I done myself into? But it was paying for the bits. Right. It was starting to get money in. And then that's when I started to see other gigs, like creative writing, content writing, copywriting. And that's when I started to learn this one big lesson, which is called the revenue line. I learned this from John Pagulayan. And he was saying that if you have a skill, whether you're a freelancer, or coach, or marketer, whatever it is, as long as you have that lesson in you, ingrained in you, the revenue line, you know how to charge more for what you're actually delivering because you now understand the value that you're giving to the other person. As what, do long mean, as, what do you mean by revenue line? Good question. The revenue line has three pillars. It's leads, conversion, retention. Oh. So whether you're taking off podcast, whether you're removing the ums and ahs of podcasts, right? It's actually helping that podcast host be more confident in the releasing episodes that's right. more polished and people start to see that this is a more polished podcast. They start to see that, okay, let me see what else. Let me click on the link that's in the description. They become more enticed about it and then you can start writing show notes. So from, from just taking off the ums and us, you start to upskill, uplevel and offer more for that particular client mm. because you understand this podcast isn't just a podcast, mm -hmm. right? It's one way of generating leads, qualified clients, warming up people, and probably later on buy a program or a product from you. Got it. So the revenue line is basically you got to attract attention and people like leads for a specific purpose. You know, you're yes. not 
posting cat photos and then selling it. Like you put something out there like fishing, you put something out there, bait, they come, they're interested. You have to convert them and gain mm-hmm. their trust into working with you. And then retention. It's all about retention. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Exactly. Exactly. That's accurate. Okay. Love it. And what I love is you even actually talked about going deeper, not just doing the antanas, but expanding what you can do to serve that person. So it's about getting customers and then keeping them and keeping them as long as possible. Yes. Yeah. That's right. I think you also talked about this in one of your episodes. For those who are listening, Daryl knows his stuff. Okay. Don't listen to just this episode, listen to the earlier episodes. There was this one particular episode where he had a talk. I don't know where that talk was. So he did the presentation where he showed how they generated over $7 million in terms of revenue. He was also talking about the retention part, getting repeat buyers from there. And imagine from someone who's just editing ooms and us, taking up the ooms and us, if you start to understand how much value you start to deliver to a business, then that's the time that you upscale, you up level. And now that the clients are, don't really mind paying more because of the value that you start to deliver. Your foot in the door probably was just taking off the ooms and us, right? Yep. But yep. the back end, the bigger end, right? Yep. So the tip of the iceberg, the ooms and the ass. But right below the big pile of money, right, is when you start presenting opportunities to your clients. Yep. Yeah, I love that. And having an owner mentality, so many people that you hire, they just like show up, they just want to get paid and watch the clock and they can't wait to leave. You know, where whereas as an owner, you've got a vision, a passion, and you want you want people to be on the team and to share that 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 vision, that passion. So that's even when you talk about expanding it, it's about how do we do this better? Hey, hey, talk to the owner, how do we make this better? How do we make your show better? How do we do everything better? You know, it might cost more money, but I'm here to help you succeed. And that's just, you know. I think that's fantastic. So what happened next? So you started expanding and then what? I mean, $5 million contracts is not a small amount of pesos. So yeah, yeah. So what happened from there was I started to move from, from taking off the ums and us, creating show notes, later learning about copy, stumbled upon Gary Halbert, of course, all the great copywriters out there, somehow got deep into the buying courses and programs, but not actually implementing them, right? So the biggest highs always is when you put in the credit card and you get that receipt. It's like, wow, I'm the best, but you haven't really gotten into the program and really studied the programs. Right. Yeah. And then that's when the wife started saying, hey, where is this going? (laughs) That's when she put the book down and said, ask me, where is this going? And then I had, she said, I've got your resume with me. I've got a PDF of this. I'm going to start sending this resume over if you don't put some serious action into this. Mm. So that's one of the best motivators that I had. So I had <laughs> up level right away, right? I didn't want to go back to a job. Nothing wrong yeah. with the job, but it's just no. me strong for the job. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. strong for the job. So from copywriting, I saw an email from Antwar. As copywriters, the number one thing that we always do is subscribe to other people's newsletters, right? Right. Andrew Warner, thanks, RG. And he said the next biggest wave is coming. At this stage, I was making good money, but I was already starting to get bothered by the competition. There's Upwork, there's all these other job platforms, wherein US clients started to see Filipinos as just a run of the mill, 
Anyone could write copy, $7, $5, running to the ground with the rates, right? And Andrew Warner said, here's the next biggest wave, chatbots. And I had to jump in right away. I had to take that opportunity. But this time I was, I couldn't say, I would like to say smarter. Instead of buying another course, another program, what I did was I waited for the top student to graduate. The first batch. First batch produced Mary Catherine Johnson, MKJ. I asked Mary Catherine Johnson at first if I could work for her for free. So I could be her apprentice. And she said, hell no, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take you in. And then I asked her, do you have a coaching program? I want to learn directly from you. Because I know that if I go through her directly and not just be part of a group, especially now that she just finished the program, there is a high chance that I could be absorbing all of it, plus her insights as well. That's how valuable a coach really is. It's not some, a coach really is, honestly for me, someone that you've met, someone that you talk to, someone who gives personal insights for you. Mm. Not just buying a book and then claiming that this guy's your coach, right? Say, Robert Cialdini is my coach. I mean, for others it could work, but for me, it doesn't work that way. So, Mary Catherine Johnson, she said yes. She got me in. I tried to learn everything as fast as I could. I'm not the tech guy at all. I'm more of the copy guy, but I'm not really the best. And then I started putting the pieces together. And that's when I understood that if you really want to differentiate yourself from the crowd of freelancers, you have to up-level and combine all the skills. Hmm. I call it the quadfect of skills. So you might not be the best chatbot builder. You might not be the best copywriter out there. You might not be the best comedy script writer out there. And you might not even be the best when it comes to analyzing businesses. But if you combine all of them together, you become uniquely one. Mm. Which is incomparable to anyone. That's right. Be compared to anyone, right? And you come in with that specific insight. And that's when I started charging $125 an hour, $300 an hour. We know Chris Clay, right? Yep. Chris Clay. He was one of the first clients who paid me $125 an hour. And I was like, I think I'm leading to something. I think this is going well. And to clarify, that's a, that's a ton of money for Filipinos. Because especially in the online world, a lot of people come here wanting to pay a little, like just a little. And I know my girlfriend, she still gets it sometimes where people are like, oh, well, your rates are too high for Filipino. And I have another guy that's been on our podcast. He hires people out of... Latin America. And he comes up against that. Like, they're not American. Why would I pay them that? And it's a real ignorant thing because this is about a meritocracy. It's about them going for the people that are the best fit for the job and paying them what they're worth. Unless there's offshoring, they're just trying to like save on income. It's a thin line. It's a thin line. Yeah. Yeah. Which I would like to talk about, right? Yeah. So $125, $300 and then started moving away from the early rates going to the packages. And then I learned another lesson, which is as long as what you pitch, whether it's $1,000, $50,000, and even $100,000, if it's a fraction of the result that they would be getting, Mm -hmm. it's like literally selling money at a discount. discount. That's right. Right? So I come in, right? More confident. I now understand the value that I deliver. 
which is what I teach other Filipino freelancers as well. But then again, so here's talkative me, right? But then again, there are also some skills that there's very a very slim probability of you getting paid more. Imagine removing ohms and as, right? I mean, who's going to remove the ohms and as? <laughs> but for certain podcasts, then you say, hey, listen to this podcast. I edited this podcast, right? right. You might be paid like $5,000 an episode. But if you're just a regular run of a new person, you're starting out and you're just doing that. Yep. It's literally labor. Yeah. Like, there's almost no brains to it. Well, there's a, so there's two, two things. You get paid in relation to the size of the problems you solve. So if someone can just listen to this and click a button when they hear, that's not, it's not, it's not a big problem. But there's also an income earning ladder, which I think you're speaking to. And that's where generalists make the least amount of money. Like a dentist yes. makes whatever a dentist can make, right? Yes. But then a specialist, like an orthodontist, they make more than a dentist. And it's because of the confidence in their ability to deliver the results. So a dentist might be able to figure out how to do the surgery an orthodontist would do, but they don't have like nuts and bolts knowledge of that speciality. So you pay more for an orthodontist because they have specialization. And so what you're paying for, it's like you said, it's, it's in the terms of selling money at a discount, you're paying for the result, a higher probability of a successful outcome. And then above a specialist, you have trainers of specialists. And this is because they might not even be the best in the industry, but as a trainer of a specialist, one, you get paid teaching specialists, but you also get paid because as a trainer, people expect that you should at least be average or above average. So again, it's a probability of, you know, result being delivered. And then the people who make the most are the celebrities because of supply and demand. They auction off their, their time. And because of limited supply, the demand is higher and it jacks the prices up. So this is, this is fantastic. If anyone's listening to this, you need to start writing some of this down. And I loved how you talked about specialization because a lot of times people say specialization. What is that? You were like, you can, you know, combining skills. You had a special term for it, I think you said. A quadfecta of skills. Quadfecta of skills. I love that. The intersection. You yes. Know, we know how to use Shopify. You know how to use this, this, this. And you've got intimate knowledge into energy healing. Like whatever that is, that combination makes you unique. Yes. Love it. If we can drill down a little more with, it, uh, with regards to the podcast editor, right? So yeah. one podcast editor gets paid, let's say $5 an episode, an hour's worth of episode, right? Right. Removing ums and us, and he keeps on complaining. If he really wants to stick to removing ums and us, right? It's a podcast editor and wants to, let's say, jump to $25 an hour or $100 an hour. He can actually do it by doing this. Adding more intellect into listening to the podcast and make sure that he doesn't just chops off the ums and us. And make sure that what he connects and splices together make perfect sense. Right? And then even getting clips, snippets of the podcast, right? And then turning it over to the client saying, hey, you can use this as yeah. lead magnets. You can use this. It still is a podcast editor. You still are a podcast editor, right? No. No, no difference at all. But you put in more specialization. Just yeah. like the dentist and the ortho. Yeah, I don't just take their ums and ahs. We used to call those power packs or power punches, little snippets, like you said, the most powerful pieces. So I'm going to take out the ums and ahs, but I'm also going to give you all those little nuggets that you can then do whatever with. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's huge. That's huge. 
So what was the, what would you recommend to someone that's starting or struggling right now? Struggling. Give me more context, please. It's a clear picture of how struggling that person is. So we can give him a clear step and roadmap. Coming out of the pandemic, people are trying to do business through a computer screen that maybe they've never done that before. And they're like, you know, how do I do? Actually, I just talked to someone last night. They're in a full-time job and they're mm-hmm. trying to get a part-time business. They're trying to leap out of the business and they don't have any idea about how to work online. This is a real client that's in one of my programs, you know, and they've got like, how do I juggle that? I've got kid, I've got, you know, my day job. How do I sell through the internet? How do I deliver consistently <laughs> without burning myself out? What do I do? How do I get clients and deliver consistently without working 20 hours a day and not knowing what to do? Yeah. yeah. Right now at my age, I'm 40. I'm more confident right now to say this to people. Stop sulking. Stop whining. Right? Suck it. I mean, suck it out. Burn yourself out. I mean, right? Try to put some effort into it. Don't be such a B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we play on the flip side. <laughs> imagine, imagine LeBron James and saying, I don't want to go to practice anymore because I just don't feel like it. I'm so tired. Yeah. Would he yeah. be where he is right now? Imagine Michael Jordan saying, oh, I- I'm not going to the game because I've got fever. But he's, yeah. suck it up, right? right? He'll play the game, right? So stop whining, right? The best thing that you could actually do right now, if you've got a full-time job, you want to start something online, let's just say freelancing. For me, freelancing is one of the best ways to make your first money online. That bit Uh of confidence in you. First is find a problem that you can solve. Yeah. When you say you can solve, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to use your brains, your hands to do it. Sometimes the question is who, not how, right? So is there someone else that you can actually hire to solve that problem? But first find out if there is a problem that someone you know has and is willing to get that solved and is willing to pay for it, right? I love that. So just clarify, problems are markets. Problems are markets. Not that exactly. And I saw them, so... Just again, I give people listening an example. If the problem is childcare, right? Then that's the problem. It's not I'm going to open up a daycare. It's I'm going to solve the problem of taking care of someone's child, making sure they're getting adequate exercise, good food, proper education. Mm-hmm. And then it's who is having that problem that I want to serve and choosing that group. This is so powerful. People walk over this. Like they're like, oh, I love baking, so I'm gonna open up a bakery shop. And they they plan their menu and the logo and their colors, and they get a little spot and they buy all the furniture and they have this fantasy. But then they open up and it's like, who is going to buy your food? Like, why did you make those donuts? Who is going to eat it? You made it for yourself. Are you gonna buy everything? No, it's two other people. So sorry, keep going. That's too painful. You know why? In 2011, my wife and I put our life savings into opening up a bar. We put in like, uh, how much money did we put into rent? Like $6,000 worth of deposit for the rent. We spent over 10 grand in dressing it up. 
We spent countless hours in making the menu nice. Uniforms were the waiters. <laughs> so it's really happening. What you just said? See, I get the goosebumps. Yeah. We went into effing debt just to buy the speakers, the yeah. sound system, yeah. the booze, inventory, yeah. yeah. fridge. Yeah. That really happens regardless of where you are, whether you're yeah. Philippines or the U.S. That's how most people think when it comes to starting a business. When in fact, all you, I mean, someone might just need someone to look over their child, give them a bit of discipline, exercise, make sure that the child is safe while the parents are away. Yeah. They might even get paid a hundred bucks. Yeah. So what problem will you solve? Who is having it that you want to help? And where are they? An additional to that, Darren. Love that. If you are, I think right now, one of the best things really that's happening is the amount of information that's out there. The amount of information that's out there that's for free is just gold, okay? Yeah. So let's talk about the kids. So who has that problem? I need, there's like, let's say three people around your neighborhood who need someone to sit their kids, right? Yep. You don't necessarily have to actually do it. Right. Just maybe. Someone in your network, right, also has free time, wants to make extra, right? Instead of you getting the whole $100 and you having to watch over the kids, why not split it or just pay that other person 30 bucks? watch the kids for like two hours, three hours, right? And you get the 70 bucks. Yeah. You're the connector. You still solve the problem. Yeah. So again, if we take 7-Eleven. Who is going to sit here and make sure people pay for the stuff and don't steal anything? That's a small problem. You get paid minimum wage to sit at that desk. But who will make sure that we deliver inventory the right amount just in time when it's needed to all these locations and that they're organized on shelves in the right way? And what, you know, so like, you know, and, and what do we start something that's a bigger problem? So you get a bigger payment for that. Just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to be the one taking care of the kid. That's who is going to make sure the security is there? Who's going to verify the curriculum? Who's going to make sure that the curriculum is being taught? Who's going to make sure that the proper food is being fed, right? Like all that sort of thing. So, yeah. I love that. You don't have to do it. Organize it. Yes. This is good. This is good. So what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see your clients making? And other freelancers making? Uh, let's start off with uh, freelancers first. With freelancers, the biggest mistake I see is that they're too scared to increase their rates. Right? Ah. They feel greedy. They feel like sinners. They feel like they're the worst people. They feel like they're scammers. The minute that you tell increase your rates, I don't want to, I can't. Yeah. Okay. But it's not their fault. Yeah. It's not their fault. It actually is a good thing because it means that somehow deep within them lies that word in Filipino, we call it conscientia or conscience in English, that you want to make sure that what you're offering is in direct correlation to the value that you deliver. What you're charging right. is in direct correlation to the value that you deliver. Right. right. The biggest mistake is that they keep it at that. Right. The one, the best way to correct it 
is understanding, wait, what is the value of what I'm actually delivering? Mm. And what else can I solve for the person that I'm delivering a solution for the first problem that he asked me to solve? When you talked about earlier about employees just waiting for the clock to hit five, right? That's where most freelancers are. But when you start to say, hey, it's not yet five, what else can I do? Yep. What else can I help my boss with? What else can I help my client with? Yep. And be very upfront. Hey, boss, I'm doing this. I want to learn how this is because I want to get paid more when you make more. Then that spells the difference, right? It's having that ownership mentality, just like what you said earlier. Yeah. Being part of the team, being part of the vision, being part of the company, being part, being one of the persons who contributes to the company's growth. Yep. Regardless if this is like three clients that you're working with, if you have that mentality for all three clients that you're working with or five clients that you're working with, it still is going to be a game changer for you. That's for freelancers. That's one of the biggest mistakes and might get the correction that they can actually do instantly. I love it. Yeah. You're welcome. For clients, clients mostly think, and I don't want to piss off my US friends. Clients mostly think that if they go to the Philippines, they get to pay for the lowest rates. Right. <clears throat> There's that bias. And I can't blame them because it's just arbitrage, right? Cost of living might be a bit cheaper here uh, compared to the US. If you're really just buying labor, then so be it, right? But if you're trying to buy intellect, if you're trying to buy results, if you're trying to buy growth for your business, mm-hmm. start letting the freelancers that you're hiring, that you're opening yourself opportunities that they might present to you. The big worry of these clients is that they don't want to spend so much money. They don't want to start risking, let's say 10 grand, 5 grand on a freelancer, on a Philippine freelancer who promises to deliver X. Right. Right. But the truth is, there is actually a technique a simple tactic that they can pay a Filipino freelancer or regardless from Latin America. I was thinking, I have this problem. I just don't know how to fix this. I'll be very honest with you. If we get this problem fixed, I'm going to make X amount, Y amount, right? And if you can get this solved, right? I'm willing to put in a bit of an extra for you as an upfront, but there's so much more that you can make on the back end. Hmm. And now... The freelancer starts to see the opportunity. Now the freelancer starts to back themselves up and then say, <clears throat> instead of looking for new clients, why don't I put more focus on this client? Yeah. Yeah. Helping him grow because this client has proactively told me that, hey, I'm willing to pay you more. I'm willing yeah. to give you more, a bigger piece of the pie. Yep. Because we're going to make a bigger pie. Yeah. Yep. Now, this is obviously from roles where people can understand that they're helping generate revenue either by offering more. So all a company is, is a group of people that solve the problem of another group of people. And they solve that problem with a product or service. Elon Musk makes electric vehicles. Your dentist fixes teeth. It's just a group of people solving the pain of another group of people. And that's why the stuff that you said at the beginning is so important. It's such a common mistake. It's a fundamental that I've also overlooked myself. Like, what problem are you solving? Who do you want to solve it for? 
and where are they? Like that is so critical. If you don't want to be the business, a lot of people want to avoid competition, but you don't want to be the restaurant on a deserted island. There's nobody there. You want to be one option of many at the busy food court and do everything you can to be unique and the best uniquely in your own way. Like that's the mentality. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to to interrupt. I think a lot of people too, when they say they come to the Philippines think they're going to get cheaper work and then they don't get the results that they want or they don't get the quality work they want. And then they're like, oh, that's, I tried to hire a VO, but they're no good. And it's like, well, did you go for the best or the cheapest? Because that'll get you in any market. In the UK market, you have a hundred applicants and you choose the cheapest. Are you going to get the best quality? So it's also a mindset of the owner and you have to take ownership of that. And a lot of people are terrible bosses. They don't communicate well. They take out their emotions on employees and staffs and freelancers. They don't have clearly defined KPIs for a royal. And all that stuff leads to mishiring and poor outcomes. And it's not always their fault. Yes. If you really want to hire the best, let's call these people, I call my world-class Filipino freelancers unicorns, right? It's like what most are, people are trying to do is they're like trying to buy a brand new Porsche, the 911, Carrera S, and expecting that since they're buying it in the Philippines, they're expecting that they're going to buy it for a thousand bucks. Right. Senseless, right? Right. Senseless. It still is going to be a hundred grand, 200 grand, whether you're in the Philippines, you're in the US. It still is going to be the same. It still is a Porsche Carrera S. Right. Might just have been that it's in the Philippines, right? Yeah. So we're trying to look for unicorns, top of the line, world-class Filipino freelancers. But I do understand where the clients are coming from. There's that worry that I don't want to spend 10 grand on someone I haven't met yet. Yep. I have no guarantee of delivering. Yeah. So that's why I'm starting to teach clients, why don't you actually put in just a bit of a risk, just like what we mentioned earlier, hey, I'm willing to pay you 10 grand. No problem at all, right? But here's the thing. Can we do a small amount first? 1,000, 1,500, right? Then you get the remaining once we get the results. There are a lot of freelancers here who are already well-established in the Philippines, who are liquid enough. They have the cash flow. If a project is going to take them like 60 days, they don't really mind. They have their own money right now. Right. They have the cash flow. They can afford it. That even if you don't pay them the full amount right away, they still can afford the lifestyle that they have. Right. A thousand, a thousand five hundred, two thousand dollars down, right? They do the project, progressive billing, just like how you get the house built, right? And tell the client, hey, we're at this stage right now. What do you think? Are you getting progress? Are you seeing the results? Are you now getting more confident? Then send another part of the money, right? Call it just your milestones in Upward, right? That's how you actually know that you're talking to one of the best freelancers mm. in the Philippines. If the freelancer is also willing to put in some risk on their end, okay? So now, most of the times, this becomes win-win relationships. Mm. I love it. I love it. I think that's really well articulated. I want to talk a bit about the value, too, because something you're speaking to, there's, there's change. Every, nobody can deny it. The whole world has gone through a massive change and it's going to be continuing. And part of what's happening right now, some of this might be my theory, but there's a lot of evidence to back this up. An avocado has value. 
It is a yeah. physical thing. It has a physical innate value to it. You can eat it, coconut. You can eat it. You can make things out of its raw materials. It requires inputs to be created. So it has an inherent value to it. We are living in a world, and a lot of people don't realize this, that is built on colonization. And colonization is I show up at your house with gun and I come into your living room and I say, hey, nice to meet you. 20, 30% of everything that you make is now mine because I brought you training, because I brought you tools, because I brought you whatever. And that's going to go on forever. It's a, it's a contract that never expires. And this is why you have first world and third world. There's no second world. There are the owners and the ones that are in debt. And the currencies have stood on a lot of this stuff. A lot of these trade tariffs, when you get into it, it's all trying to protect. A lot of this immigration stuff, it's all to protect that we are this great group of people that has this, like, we have, are the contract holders. You know what I mean? Like, there's the, the person who loaned the money and there's the person who has to pay the money back. And it's like, a lot of this stuff is to protect that stuff, which was established through colonialism. But a problem that we have is that most of the world currencies are not backed by any real value. Recently, Russia has declared to pay for their oil and soon their other exports. You must use their ruble or any gold-backed currency. So before, a piece of paper from the bank used to say that this is, it's like an IOU. You take your kilogram of gold, you put it in the bank because it's heavy to carry, and the bank gives you an IOU. And you get different sizes so you can use different amounts to pay, but you don't have to go carry all that gold around. Well, in 1971, Richard Nixon took the U.S. off the gold standard, and they just started printing money, and it's called fiat money. And this means let it be so. So a dollar is worth a dollar because we say it's worth a dollar. And right now what's happening with the pandemic and all these countries printed so much money, you have countries that make things that require that a real physical good sending them to a lot of knowledge working countries and countries with like wall street where there's these paper shuffles that that makes money and they're going hey you ordered a thousand churros and 500 pounds of bananas but you're going to give me money and i don't i don't know like what am i going to buy from you with this money that I feel is equal value to this real physical stuff that I've made. And that's part of what we have happening is that all this money has been printed and the politicians and the business elites that get it right away, the banks, they spend it today's value, but then inflation goes up and it eats your savings because now they're worth less because that has to be paid back and it has to be balanced out because countries are doing trades with each other. So the West is being hit really hard right now. Like I remember a couple of years ago, forgive me, I know I'm on a bit of a rant, but I was in Vietnam. And we had a lady come clean her house for five hours. And I think we paid her like 15 bucks or something like that. And that day I saw someone posting in Facebook about, hey, is paying $50 an hour too much for this guy to ride a lawnmower to cut my grass in Florida? And I was like, what a disconnect of reality. How is that a $50 an hour job? You're sitting on a machine, driving in circles. Kids do pay to do that at go-kart centers. They pay to do that at a carnival ride. That's not a $50. This woman did all this detailed cleaning and work. She did a fantastic job. And that's what's happening right now. And this whole conversation is about discussions about value. Yes. There's been an upper hand because of currencies. 
like, oh, well, I, I earn in pounds or I earn in U.S. dollars, therefore I have an advantage. But that is going away mm-hmm. because of the pandemic and because of this, like the supply chain issues. There's a lot of countries that aren't having supply chain issues, but it's because their currencies have better ties to real value. But that's when you're talking about like paying Filipinos what they're worth and that it comes down to value and what is the value worth? And if you're going to pay more money, right, why should you pay more money? Well, it comes down to the value. And this is something that the whole world is facing a wake up call around. And I have connections with people in secret societies, different types of agencies, and, and like a reckoning is coming. And yeah. And it's down to this value, what you're talking about and what's the value. And that's it. You know, you get what you pay for, essentially. Yeah. And what you pay with. So, yes. If I add to that, yeah. I, hearing what you said, if you're coming from an angle wherein you don't really have an understanding of what value is, it can really be scary. Right. It can be frightening, scary. You lose your sleep. You have a five year old daughter. You don't even know what's going to happen the next couple of months. But for the other group of people, who understand how to create value, this can even be an exciting time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. The way you said it earlier, someone riding a lawnmower, 50 bucks, asking, if is it right to pay him 50 bucks? Yeah. Versus some lady in Vietnam who really cleaned the house for $15 for four hours, right? But if you can come into the picture and start to understand how do you actually create value without really having to rely on currency, now you start changing the game. Now, instead of you having to give out the currency or any form of money, right? You start just taking it because you now understand how to create value. Yeah. You're not dependent anymore on whatever form of currency that's out there, whether it's backed up by gold or not, whether you're paying or getting paid in rubles, it doesn't really right. matter. What matters right now is that you know how to create value in people's heads, people's yep. minds. Yep. That you it helps solve problems. It helps solve problems. That's right. And sometimes that's like you talk about how much is someone losing because that problem you solve isn't fixed yet. Yes. Someone must be doing $10,000 a month in their business. But actually, I, I have a call. I have a call tomorrow with a client. They're doing $10,000 a month with the supplements that is certified by a hospital to help cancer patients survive. They've been doing $10,000 a month for a couple of years now. Why just 10 grand? Right. How much money are they losing because they don't have system one, two, three, four, five, six. I have 20 systems that I can help them with. And it's how much money are they losing because they don't have those in place because they're just operating a baseline. And we can easily project and calculate, right? Fix this, this, this. How much is that worth? Right? And how much are you losing? So that's another way to create value. So, all right, okay. So let's talk a little bit about what do you think holds a lot of people back? You talked about not charging enough, not focusing on the value. Is there anything that really stops people from going out there? It sounds like, I mean, I love, maybe I should recap. Like, maybe they're just sulking too much. They're too afraid of hard work. They, they like it's the whole I just want to make money by doing nothing like do it manually 10 times and then figure out how to automate it right be yeah, willing to yeah. grind it out specialize focus on the problem you can solve who it's for and where they are you know understand charge focus on the value offered 
be willing to go and take risk with the client. Like go into business, become a partner in the business. I love that. I love that so much. And what else? I mean, here's people have to realize if we took away all of our economies, we're just animals in the woods. All day, every day, you have to be defending from predators so you don't get eaten, trying to stay healthy so you don't get sick and die yeah. or become weak, and finding food. So this whole, I want to sit down and have money coming out of a laptop, that doesn't exist in like the natural world. Like, like look outside. They're, the bugs don't get to go, hey, cat, it's my weekend. Like, just come back on Monday. Cut me up some slack. <laughs> they don't have a fridge. They don't like, we have so much people don't like they're detached from reality in some respects. Like every day, every day in Africa, the sun comes up or sorry, every, every morning in Africa, when the sun comes up, a gazelle wakes up and it knows it must outrun the fastest lion or it will be killed. Yes. Every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and it knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. So the moral of the story is it doesn't matter if you're a lion or a gazelle when the sun comes up. You better be running. Mm-hmm. And that's true. I think that's exactly like this has been such a good call. People should probably listen to this a couple of times because we talk about how to charge more, how to stand out from competition and protect yourself and be unique. How to like just suck it up. Like we all have good days and bad days. Talk to some friends, you know, eat a cake if that's what you're saying. But do what you need to just patch yourself up, get back in there and keep going. Focus on the value you offer. Look for ways to partner and become like a co-creator of the business. I don't know. It's, I just have been so good. I don't like, what, what do you, what do you think things are going? What do you think the freelancer economy and that is going to be in five years? It's going to be awesome. It's really going to be awesome. But freelancers have to establish themselves. They have to position themselves in, in a way that they can gain the client's trust. Hmm. The word freelancer gets a lot of bias. It gets a lot of ridicule. It's just like, oh, he can do anything. Right? He, he's just a freelancer. Mm-hmm. But if you start to position yourself as someone who's generating money for them, solving problems for them, giving them confidence, giving them more time to do the things that they really want, then now you become different. Mm-hmm. Okay? So act, be, think, right? like a specialist, like someone who's actually generating value for your clients. Right now, I think people are scared and worried about things that they shouldn't really be worried about or scared about. I mean, imagine this. When people post on their social media and they're not getting likes, it's like the end of the world. Yeah. Who cares? I mean, who cares? You shouldn't even care. We didn't even know what Facebook or Instagram was back in the 80s or in the 90s, right? Right. So why would this bring you down? Why should that stop you from selling, making offers, reaching out? And mm-hmm. it won't kill you, right? Yep, yep. But you know, action, no action, that's what's going to kill you. Yeah, I love and it. The saddest part here is that the people who suffer from it the most are actually the smartest people. The ones who put more time into learning, trying to master their craft, but without the application. They've put so many programs, so many courses. That's why I put so much emphasis. If you have the opportunity to hire a coach, 
go do it. Yeah. Okay. Go freaking do it. Hire a coach because they're a coach. The fact that you hired a coach only means that you are looking for results. Yeah. You know that I have to put in the work. It's not the coach who's going to put in the work, but having that thought that there's a coach, right? Yeah. The back of your mind already tells you, hey, I need to start getting some action, putting into some action and getting myself results. So I could ask my coach, did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Jim Williams got this great quote. If someone is being an idiot, you know, they might be a good person, but if they're being an idiot, they don't need motivation because now you just have a motivated idiot. What they need is an education to turn them around, point them in the right direction, you know? And I think that's so powerful. I think that's so powerful. And a coach, the value of a coach is like, you and I wouldn't have to figure out how to make a Zoom call, how to do a video call. Like we, people don't realize when they drive down the road, you are standing on the shoulders of people who have done work before you. And that's the value of a coach. It's the shortcuts. It's the time you didn't turn left. So you did not get hit by the bus. It's the failures you skip and don't have. It's the, you know, if it's two people want to win a gold medal at the Olympics, right? One is in a garage with a bunch of books and, and tapes trying to figure it out with some buddies that have zero hours of training and experience. And they, they both, they, he could win it. They could go or she could go win it. But then you have someone that gets four coaches that have all previously won gold medals to coach them daily. Two different scenarios. Both have the potential to win a gold medal. Who do you think is going to get the first with less suffering? It's just, it's that simple. It's that simple, you know? So I love it. I love it so much. And you also said something that made me think of, you know, markets are unknown and unknowable. When you talk about a market, like how many people, like nobody really knows. They, they take measurements and do statistics, but no one really knows. But everybody can recognize excellence. And so much of what you said has been talking about focusing on excellence, being excellent, finding skills that you are passionate about and combining them so you can be excellent with that combination, which makes you unique and specializing. To focus on being excellent so you can charge what you're really worth. So you have the time and the ability to reinvest and to maintain excellence and give your clients the best. I think that's so fantastic. So one last thing that I would like to add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this thinking that I don't know if it's just me or other Philippines as well, that we aren't the superior race, that there are so many people out there who are far better than us. I mean, obviously, you're 6'4", I'm 5'6", 3'4". There's no chance that I'm going to dunk a ball over you, right? That's reality. That's a fact. There's no way that you can actually change that. But in the business world, everything's almost equal. Mm. We all have brains. The thing that I really love when I learned this is this. You don't really have to be the smartest person in the room. When we talk about excellence, you don't have to compete. Let's just say we were competing, Darren. Let's just say we're working. We're trying to get the same client. Okay. A multi-billion dollar client. And I find out Darren is trying to get this client. We know we both have equal chances. I, myself, have a feeling that Darren's way better than me. No. I mean, let's just say, let's just say that I'm thinking Darren's way better than me. 
why don't I just go direct to Darren? Why don't we just do this instead? Let's combine forces and then close this client together. Wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What a great mentality. What if Daryl really knew more than me? So instead of me fearing Daryl, why don't I be more confident? Because there's this guy who put in thousands of hours of work and application working with bigger clients, right? I'm just the regular freelancer who's working with traditional businesses, but I want to level up. I find Daryl, gem of a talent, really knows his stuff, right? And I just start talking to my network of business owners, hey, you know what? We're starting to offer this. Would you be interested We do an audit of your business and see where there are untapped opportunities where we can help you grow your business more? I found the best guy. His name is Darren. Can we work together? Mm-hmm. Simply doing that, right? Cooperation. Cooperation. That's right. Cooperation. Not a competition. It's not always competition all the time. I love it. It's like kindergarten stuff. Yes. It's just fundamental. Share food. Don't beat up other kids in the playground. Everyone gets along. I love it. Exactly. I love it. I love it. it. You know, this has been such a powerful call. I really, I feel so energized from our talk. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Are Filipinos really a good market for entrepreneurs, (laughs) right? I'm telling you, the U.S. market, Australian markets, what they haven't been seeing is that Filipinos are spending heavily. Mm. They just don't see the good stuff. If you just observe the number of SUVs that are out there, if you yeah. observe yeah. the number of people who are eating out, yes. how many transactions are happening on there, on Lazada, on Shopee, the Gcash. I'm thinking a trillion pesos a month at the very least. Mm. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. If I, lo- I love it. Know your stuff. Instead of competing in the U.S., come over here. The money is here. The party is here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. It's a great way to put it. You know, and I know people like there's a famous YouTube channel, Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. He's got hundreds of millions of views. I heard him talk recently and he said that they've been exponentially growing simply because they've been translating his videos into other languages. There's no change to his business other than hiring people to dub over his videos. And so what you're talking about is that this is an untapped market. There's so much opportunity. There's 120 million people in the Philippines. Right? Although Philippines alone. 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 Yes. Yeah. Why did Crazy Rich Asians even become a movie to begin with? Yeah. Right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. And everybody that's out there has pockets. This is the thing. Everybody out there has pockets. And most people have a dollar or two in those pockets. So what's really missing is them knowing you exist. You're just obscure. You're just obscure. Nobody knows about you. The business graveyard is littered with world-class products and services nobody knew about. So go out there and get known. Neil, how do people find you? How do people get in touch with you? How do they find out more? You just have such good energy. I love your vibe. How do they connect? No landing page, no email downloads, no nothing. Just find me on Facebook, Neil Reichel. That's 
N-I-E-L-R-E-I-C-H-L. That's just me, Elon Reichen on Facebook. Do that. So once more, that is N-I-E-L-R-E-I-C-H-L. Find him on Facebook. Are you on LinkedIn too? Are you on the other one? I'm on LinkedIn too, but Facebook's really where things happening. Yeah, okay, okay. So go find him online. Send him a message. Connect with this guy. I just love his energy. That's why I asked him on here. Just do it. As, as long as people don't really mind the accent and the broken English. Oh, you're fine. Right? You're basically native. It's all good. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. This is such a good call. There's so many good nuggets. I highly recommend the listeners listen to this again. Write down your notes. Even if you never look at them again, you'll remember them better. And just, Neil, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got a great, massive following. And you could have spent time with them. So thank you for coming and sharing with me and my audience. Thank you. Thank you.